You're listening to Boggy Talk, Faith Conversations in the Mud, a resource of Church on Bayshore. Boggy Talk is recorded on Boggy Bayou in Niceville, Florida, and is hosted by Justin Wyatt and James Ross, pastors at Church on Bayshore. We typically want every matter of faith and life to have crystal clear answers, but it isn't always that easy. This podcast digs in to help Christians think with a kingdom mentality about topics that sometimes get muddy and bog us down. So let's dive in. Hey, and welcome to Boggy Talk. We want to thank you for joining us for the second week of a two-week series talking about the Southern Baptist Convention. Didn't you wear that shirt last week, Justin? And didn't you wear that shirt last week? Oh, maybe because we're pre-recording and we don't have changes of clothes today. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Yes, we are full swing summer. By the time this airs, I will, Lord willing, be back from camp. Oh, man. I, <laughs> I hope I made are. it back. And I uh, had a great week and recovering. So. Yes, yes. I am like super tired. I don't yes. know. I think it's probably obvious. Yeah. So, well, yeah. you just got back from, with like, honestly, if you say, hey, I just got back from the Southern Convention, I'm like, I'm tired for you yeah. because I'm like... <laughs> You're like in meetings. I mean, it's a lot of people. But you're yeah. just, anytime you're sitting for that long a period and you're listening to, I mean, it's parts of it are super exciting and parts of it are like a really long church business yes. meeting that won't yes. end. So, and you're just taking it all in. And so it's emotionally, I mean, it's mentally exhausting. Mentally too. exhausting, physically. And, and then you're talking to people and you're meeting people and you're reconnecting with people. And, you know, even the most extroverted extrovert at some point reaches a limit of, I need to people out. <laughs> so, are you saying? Are you talking about yourself in a third person? I am. Sometimes I do the get most there. Extroverted extrovert. <laughs> I do get that. I'm like, I'm just kind of. I need some alone time. Yeah. Okay. And then three minutes later, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so last week we talked about what happened at the convention. If you missed that, go back and listen. And this week we're talking about really moving forward. Some issues that were maybe brought up or highlighted, maybe there wasn't necessarily resolution to them at the convention, but certainly things that are highlighted, um, really kind of the culmination of things that have been happening over several years, and moving forward for Southern Baptists, um, some issues that will be facing the convention in years to come. And, and well, not just years to come, right now too. So yeah. uh, let's dive right in and talk about these. So you kind of identified five of these things. Yeah. So why don't you start? What is the first yeah. thing? Not These aren't necessarily in order of yeah. primary. They're just rolling off a list. Well, I was actually thinking I will go in order. Oh, go in pri- order primary, then. You know? All right. This and, is what happens when we don't fully talk about Yeah, I know. <laughs> What's we... interesting is that they are somewhat all uh, in, you know, revolving. So I would say probably the the biggest one is that the convention is primarily Southern, mm-hmm. hence the name Southern Baptist. And the origin of the Southern Baptist convention uh, is theological, but also political in the sense that the Southern Baptist convention wanted slave ownerships, right. you know? And so, over the progression of time, uh, views on race have changed in the Southern Baptist Convention, but that's where they're coming from. And they were kind of some of the slowest ones to move forward in Mm -hmm. that. And yet our country has become incredibly diverse. Right. um, And the churches haven't necessarily adapted to that. I would say most completely say the past was wrong. Right. But 
their culture still is somewhat reflective of that past. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the culture looks very different. Right. And there's even been a push amongst some in the Southern Baptist Convention to rename it, to rebrand, to right. try to reflect a change in to Great Commission Baptist. Great Commission Baptist. Um, yeah. You know, there's there were I think there were other ideas in years past, but that seems to be the one that is the most prominent. Um, which like, I, why would you? Sorry, I just. If you live in Illinois, why would you want to be a part of a Southern Baptist church? Right. And I think, (laughs) too, it's like I grew up in the South. You grew up, you were born in California, but you were, you grew up in the South, you know, like you moved here. South Georgia. By South Georgia, I mean North Florida. (laughs) That's right. The other side of North Florida. So, I mean, like. I like being from the South. I like the the hospitality. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think what Southerners don't realize is there is connotations that come with the South, outside the South. And and then given the actual history of right. the Southern Baptist Convention, is it really the worst idea to say, hey, we, we have changed. We have uh, r- repented of that sin. I mean, the Southern Baptist Convention has passed resolutions on that, like formally, publicly repenting of the sin of of slavery. Um, Is it the worst thing to change the name? Yeah, I I think, you know, first, first, so the name changes Great Commission Baptist that people want. And I think, like, what do you want to prioritize? What do you want to emphasize? The Great Commission or Southern? Right. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I just, but, Either way, that's not an easy and not everybody's thinking not everybody in this church is thinking like that. Right. No, absolutely. And I think you said it's like the the country is much more diverse. Uh and though I mean the Southern Baptist Convention in its of itself has increased in diversity some. And I think it has increased a lot more in the past few years than in years prior, which is we should celebrate right. that and we should be encouraged. I think that the number shared was like twenty-two percent were non uh, the non-Anglo. Uh, Non-Anglo, yeah. which is a a dramatic, which still is not reflective of our country, but is much higher than before. And the issue to grapple with- You're not boring me. I'm just very tired. I was yawning. You <laughs> saw yawning, me thanks. online. If you, you probably heard that. Yeah, I don't know. That's right. But I think the issue for Southern Baptists in themselves is different- uh, you know, different cultures, different ethnicities also bring different experiences yeah. and, and expressions. Yeah. I mean, I even sent you a joke uh, during the convention yeah. laughing because one of the worship leaders, they were awesome, but it was very much a gospel style. Like a, I would say a black gospel style. Yeah. It was great. And they panned the crowd and people were like standing there. And I teased, I said, these people obviously have no idea what to do with right. an expression of worship that isn't, you know, white. Yeah. Um, and it was, I was joking, but it's also true. And I think that that's indicative of really for the convention as a whole, for us as a church, is that we should be increasing yeah. in diversity. And granted, Niceville in and of itself isn't necessarily the most diverse place, but nope. part, of that, part of that means embracing other expressions of, of worship, of leadership, of ideas that are informed by our, our cultures and experiences. Yeah. So there's, the, there's again, the bigger issue of like, why do we take such pride in our culture that we're familiar with over the gospel going forth? But then this, the secondary issue, and really the one I'm talking about is like, if we don't adapt to the culture, we will not survive and thrive as right. Southern Baptists. Yeah. And we have to ask ourselves, what's most important that, you know, we... We keep this traditionist uh, mentality, or that we 
really open ourselves up to the beauty of diversity. And that's challenging because, I mean, that means in leadership, you're like, I don't I don't always know because I don't know. But we have to open up the doors for that. Yeah. So my second one would be, and I want to say it right now because I want to distinguish between two things. Yeah. The second one would be that we have a conservative theological base in an increasingly secular country. Mm-hmm. This is different. The first is our methodology and right. style and culture right. isn't changing with the culture like it should. Mm-hmm. The second one is our theology should not should change. Not change. Right. And yet that becomes more and more difficult with a country that is opposed to your theological beliefs. Absolutely. Hostile, this goes to what, you know, one of our base values is, you know, the, un, the the changing world needs the unchanging word and methodologies have to change because the world changes, but the truth doesn't change. And we talked about this in our series about Generation Z. You know, our kids are growing up in this culture that, you know, to stand for the truth, they are going to be, they're going to miss out on opportunities. They are going to face a uh, backlash for standing for the yes. truth. Whereas we come from a generation was like, well, just keep it to yourself. It's going to be impossible to keep your beliefs to yourself because of, you know, increasing pressure to affirm lots of different things. Um, but we can't confuse changing methodology with changing doctrine. Because I think when right. methodology changes, a lot of people, oh, they're they're watering down the gospel. No, that is not, the, that's not, I mean, right. that could happen yeah. in a methodology change, yeah. but it's not, it's not the same thing. So, so how are we going to engage people with a theology that is, our culture is unfriendly to, um, and therefore there's less and less societal benefit and it could be even in some places, not here, but in some places it could be it could be socially negative to be associated with this church, specifically mm-hmm. this entity, and yet not compromise theology. Right. And so I move on to number three. The third challenge is that there is indeed increasing theological liberalism. Yes. So first I was saying, hey, culture's changed. We kind of have a, to evaluate our culture if we want to survive. Second, I'm saying theology that we have, people are rejecting. And so it's harder to do it. Third, I'm saying is internally, Mm -hmm. internally, there are those probably largely because of those two reasons, but for for whatever reason, who are becoming more liberal uh, in their interpretation of scripture. And when I say liberal, I mean, away from the orthodox understanding an interpretation of the Bible. Are there specific issues or things that you're thinking of when you say increasing theological liberalism and specific doctrines or issues? Uh, I would say uh, LGBTQ plus, uh, there are more and more believers who would say, who would just separate themselves from the teachings of Christ and that God made them male and female. And uh, clearly the teachings of Paul. um, and, And yet, uh, that's not just it. I mean, it, when it comes to divorce, I think we've become more liberal in mm-hmm. what we uh, teach is acceptable for divorce. I think um, certainly when it comes to some clear scriptures about w- women uh, as as pastors, we we we've become uh, more uh, liberal there. Uh, and again, I, I hate using that word liberal because people call me liberal. <laughs> You're not liberal, and I'm not liberal. <laughs> You're t- and you just mean that I wear s- sneakers and jeans and 
don't dress in a three-piece suit. That's like, that's not what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. That goes back to methodology being yeah. elevated above. Doctrine. Yeah. And I think, mm-hmm. I think probably the, I know that sounds like what could be more dangerous than that with liberalism. The more dangerous thing is this, this therapeutic understanding of sin mm-hmm. where we're no longer just sinners who yeah. are guilty. It's like, like, it's you're, I'm okay. You're okay. We're yeah. okay. And even like, it's not, it's a struggle. You have struggles. Well, yes, right. we all do have struggles, but yeah. that's, let's take it to like, our struggles, the result of our sin nature, you right. know? And I think right. that's where it's like, it becomes like God, God exists to help you conquer your fears. Help yes. you conquer your struggles. And we have a those, yes, God does help conquer, you know, his perfect love cast out all fear. That's, you know, the Bible. Yeah. Uh, he does help us in our struggles, but that's, it's, that's therapeutic in itself help because the root issue is sin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so we've got to be on guard against this teaching and, you know, popular people have an audience who are not teaching theological the orthodox <laughs> theology. Yeah. Because, you know, for whatever reason, so many of these churches have like great music, mm-hmm. great sounding music. I don't know that God thinks it's great, but great sounding music. Mm-hmm. And so then you, oh, well, I'll listen to their pastor too. And he's cool. He dresses, he shops at Urban Outfitters or whatever, <laughs> you know, and. Um, I can't afford that. Yeah. And so, uh, and it's probably, Wherever, even more than Urban Outfitters. And and so we like, the more we listen to that, the more we just begin to believe that stuff. And it's very self-affirming. Uh, but it's just so shallow from the the truth of scripture and the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I would say if we're not wrestling with like, oh, God says this, I don't naturally want to do that. Then maybe we're not really being shaped by God. So the fourth thing I would say, uh, and, and so this is less of a priority here, uh, is division on the priority of politics. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where we talked last week about the conservative Baptist network. And uh, they just really believe that like being engaged in specifically the Republican party and aligned with the Republican party is, and I'm speaking for people and I'm simplifying this, but like is synonymous with being a Christian. Mm-hmm. Like, I would say that many of them believe you can't stay a Democrat and be a Christian. Yeah. And I think uh, that point to me, as you say that, is tied to what you just said about the increasing theological liberalism is what happens a lot in this in the division on priority of politics. A card that gets played a lot of times is you disagree with me on this issue. You're a liberal. Right. And so there's that like you're a the- not just a liberal political, but you're a liberal theological because you don't agree with my interpretation. And, you know, I think that was going back to the presidential election for the convention that was thrown out a lot. And and here you have four people running who all would say they believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, the sufficiency of Scripture. And but then that's getting thrown out. And so it's it's hard. I think within the Southern Baptist Convention, there's got to be this. A discernment uh, and a commitment to unity, even when we disagree on secondary issues. And I think some of the issues that are uh, coming up in the Southern Baptist Convention are people elevating secondary issues to orthodoxy and saying, yes. well, if you don't believe yeah. this, then you're out. And that is that is not the Southern Baptist way. There's a lot of freedom, even within the Southern uh, the, the Baptist faith and message to disagree. There's a lot of room for interpretation on a lot of secondary issues. Uh, and I think I've seen just some lines, people, camps, individuals, 
groups trying to draw lines in sand and saying you can't play anymore because you don't believe like this. Yeah, and <laughs> and and I think that they're more concerned with what's happening on Capitol Hill than they are with getting the message of Christ out mm. to as many people as possible. And I think that that's dangerous. But irregardless, this is a divisive issue in Mary. the SBC. Potentially the one, even though it's less important than those other three things, potentially the one that could create division quicker. The other three things, because of our historic commitment to the, ins- the sufficiency of Scripture – are happening, but I don't think we're there yet, but this one's there. Mm -hmm. So it's the fourth most important, but it's probably the most pressing issue for the SBC. And then last is I would say, and this might be like crazy because this is, now you're listening, right? Like, (laughs) oh, crazy talk. Everybody talks about those other four things. Nobody talks about this, but Mm -hmm. this is probably actually going to be what, if anything cripples the SBC, it's this. A generation Mm -hmm. that was very invested in the life of the SBC is passing away and not enough young people are raising up to take their place. Mm -hmm. Our church, let's use that as a very good example. Our senior adults are so invested Mm -hmm. in the life of this church. That's why we have the facilities that we have. They love this church. They love Jesus. They love this church. Our young people... They don't Mm -hmm. give to this church like that generation Mm -hmm. did Mm -hmm. and does. Yeah. Even the ones in between, you know, Mm -hmm. like Gen X, you know, and and young boomers, like they're not committed like Mm -hmm. they were. And that's happening across 45,000 churches. Mm -hmm. So it's all fun and games to say all this, Mm -hmm. but how are you going to pay for a lot? Right. How are you going to send these Mm -hmm. missionaries overseas and fully funded? How are you going to plant these churches? How are you going to, how are you going to train these pastors? Like if you don't have churches giving to their church and then thus giving to the cooperative program, it's not going to happen. Right. And we're going to see a a significant deterioration of our ability to do those things. I think that is another way that we as a church have become more reflective of culture in a negative way. And I think part of the influence of our older generation is they grew up, um, you know, our nation now is, is more prosperous. You know, there's people have as a whole, many people have more, you know, financial independence, security, um, many of our senior adults. And I would say even, uh, folks who grew up, who are now boomers, uh, grew up and there was much more of a community mindset even growing up. And so there's kind of, even in culture, there was much more of a we mentality and that's, you know, and we have, and we're, you know, in that middle group, that's kind of a little bit of that and a little bit of the younger and people younger than us by and large, have grown up in a, it's a me-centered culture. You're right. Um, and that's why one of our values is we takes pride over me because we don't realize naturally how much, how just how selfish we are yeah. and how really we have as a product of culture, becoming more like culture, have adopted more about, well, what's in it for me? What am I going to receive and not do what do I have to give? And I think Going back to the design of the Southern Baptist Convention is one of the strengths is that you do have many churches collectively doing far more than they could on their own. Now, Mm -hmm. should every church be engaged on their own? Absolutely. Should we rely upon the convention to engage in global missions on behalf of our local church? No. But should we support? Uh, Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I think that goes back to a cultural thing that to uh, the benefit, our older generation grew up with a we mentality and yeah. they uh, they do care for each other in ways right. that I think our younger generation, myself included, needs to take note. I, I think the real problem here is not that people, I mean, it is a spiritual eternal problem that less people go to church from the generation like that. That's that is a big problem. But the problem as a pastor is like there are so many younger families who they come and like they drop off their kids at everything they can drop their kids off for. And they enjoy the great buildings and the great AC and want you to do programs and want you to do ministries. And they don't give, you know, their, their tithe, quote unquote, because tithe is a tenth to, you know, is, is split up between all these things they want to support there's not this submission. As soon as something goes the way they don't want li like, they're out. I'm called to that. So, I mean, I'm not like, it is what it is, like mm -hmm. embrace it. But just if that's us, like we're really consuming more than we're giving to the kingdom. Yeah. And I just think that that's, that's happening in large. So in light of these, I agree. Fully. So in light of these Thanks, issues, Justin. I agree with you. <laughs> Fully agree. Fully I love agree. It. Uh, in light of these issues, like what's the way forward? Yeah, the way forward. Jesus is the way he, forward. I mean, that's it, you know, but. Yeah, the power of God, mm. the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So let's be focused on spreading the gospel mm -hmm. in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, wherever we go and let's be focused on learning the word together mm -hmm. because we realize that the task of carrying out the gospel is something we're insufficient to do on our own. Right. And the Holy spirit is with us, but he says through his word that we need each other yeah. to do that. And then when we come together, let's, work together to say, and not only are we doing this in our lives, but let's do this in Freeport. Yeah. Let's do this in uh, India. Let's do this all as many places as the Lord would allow us. And that takes us all coming together and sacrificing of ourselves uh, to see that happen. Yeah. While, while also continually thinking, let's make sure the next generation knows why we think these things right. and does these things. Not things. assuming it, but yeah, absolutely. It really is that simple, bro. Yeah, it, it is. It's just, it, I, and that's what can be frustrating as a leader and a pastor is that, I mean, my, myself, I can get frustrated with myself because I'm like, I'm not doing this, but it's like, it really is like, if we just followed Jesus, that doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything, but he will, by his power, give us unity in the mission. And I think God has always worked from, from generation to generation to generation. God has always worked in and through some very imperfect people. He's worked in and through people and he's worked in spite of people. Amen. You know, and I think God can, does want to do the same in and through our church. You know, all generations engaged in ministry in spite of all of our flaws. Like that's the beauty of his grace is that he's doing, he's the one preach, doing preach this. It. Come, on, keep, come on, keep, come on, come on. Fire it up. But it's like, I'm talking that's back. The you beauty. like when people talk back. That's right. That's the beauty of the gospel is that there's no, we, we, we pray this. We want God to do something that we can't take credit for. And no one can look and say, wow, the leaders of that church just made awesome choices. No, Jesus led us. Right. Jesus led us. Yeah. And that's the power. It, we've talked about the beauty of the Southern Baptist Convention being that the, 
we as churches can do more together, uniting and cooperating together. The church, this church can do far more together with this diversity of gifts, diversity of personalities, diversity of everything, of people uh, working together Amen. on mission. And when you like, when you put that together, all cinder, cylinders burning, like that, the church is triumphant. Mm -hmm. You it know, is. the gospel goes mm -hmm. forward. So I have a lot of hope. Uh, for the future, uh, which is also the giving campaign for our building. So uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I so didn't do that. Really as soon as I said that, I was like, if you really want to be a participant, yeah. No, I'm but I just think Steve like, would be happy I said <laughs> that. Yes, please, right? I think w if we just say, Jesus, we want what you want, um, he's going to show us. And it may look different than we want. It may, it will call us to do things that all of us maybe are uncomfortable with or unnatural, but you know, mm. The supernatural is better, right? That's right. That's <laughs> so, right. That's good stuff. Yeah. Well, man, all this SBC talk, I think I need a week off. A week off. So why don't we take a week Let's off? Take a break. Let's take a break. And nobody's going to listen. They're going to be like, the week oh, of the no, I want another week of Southern Baptist Convention yeah, talk. But yeah. yeah, so next week is 4th of July week. We are taking that week off. But after that, three weeks coming in the month of July, really exciting because we have some interviews. We have three different guests uh, from our community, from our area, uh, who are going to be joining us just sharing um, ways that they are involved in leadership. We have um, first week is uh, Mayor, mayor Dan. Dan I was trying to get the order yeah, right. Mayor, mayor Dan, Dan Hinkle, who is a church member here, but also the mayor of Niceville, just sharing about uh, leadership in general and what it's like uh, engaging as a as a person of faith, engaging in civic leadership. Uh, we have uh, the superintendent of schools for Oklahoma. He's Oklahoma. last. So left. Got, so I'll got, skip. Hold, hold on. Okay. We have uh, <laughs> we have county commissioner and former uh, state representative Mel Ponder who will be joining us, and then our Okaloosa County School System. Superintendent Marcus Chambers. Um, some incredible men and leaders in our community. You'll actually learn something. Yeah, they all have. Some, I, <laughs> we they, haven't really offered they, anything yeah, in that's about right. a year. <laughs> <laughs> they will have some great insight. We're telling you. So uh, we do hope you'll join us for that. Um, like I said, we're taking a week off. And so that gives you a week to catch up on everything you've missed because we've gone strong for a long time. Uh, catch up. Uh, like always. Is that what you're going to do for the 4th of July? Just listen to Boggy Talk all, all week? Ooh, week? All week. You should have a Boggy Talk marathon. That's right. Boggy Talk Marathon. Instead of your SVU, Law and Order SVU That's Marathon. Right. <laughs> Instead of binging Stranger Things. That's right. Uh, so if you're driving out of town for the week, you've got, put Ooh. this on. The, the kids will love it. Yes, yes. They will ask you some questions and That's you right. will just be so engaged as yeah, a family. That's good. Uh, so on that note, be sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss the next content. Miss what's coming up. And uh, we just sincerely, thanks for listening. All right, sweet. Yeah, now we got to decide what we're doing when we come back in September. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to Boggy Talk. We are so glad you joined in the conversation. Go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss a beat.